0: So let me, let me ask you a question and, and I'm, I can answer this question for myself too. So this is not pointed directly at you, Lindsay, but all of this is stemming from somewhere and do not expound on it. Just yes or no. Have you ever been hurt by the church? Yes. When you were hurt, do you look at people and say, man, that was God's love. <laughs> when when you got hurt yeah did you feel god's love in that minute from church no no because that wasn't what god intended god never intended for you to be hurt by the church
1: Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and, well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. Alright, good morning, guys. Uh, we've got TJ and Lindsay with us. Hey, guys. Hello. So, we, uh, we finished... we've had some good conversation the past two episodes, and kind of had a premise we finished off the last one with that I think is a great starting point of our conversation of uh, let's give a premise of society has hit a reset, the crap has hit the fan, if you will, and things are rebuilding, reprocessing. Uh, It is not the end of the world. We're just kind of resetting. And in that reset, the big question is, is what would each of us in a way expect to see or do or build out of the church. Effectively this is church according to TJ or cat church according to Lindsay, cow or church according to Rob. Me. Rob, <laughs> car. Yeah, okay, Lindsay, you're <laughs> giving a face. I may, maybe I should explain this
0: in 2000 I, I heard and- that you just called her a cow. That's what I heard. And yeah,
2: we may not ever be talking again. <laughs>
1: I know. I there's know. been some controversial stuff you That's guys have okay. talked about. I called about. you a cat. It. I called her a cow, C A L. So you're a Calvinist, not a cow, C O W. Oh, wait. Calvinist. So what was I cat? 2000... 2000... What is a cat? Cat, C A T, cat. Church according to TJ. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So it, there's a root to this. That... In you're like, full of 2000, cat. and yeah, I am. <laughs> In 2013, let me tell the story. Uh, My wife and I drove down to Ocean City. We were going on a vacation. There's a whole lot of things that happened on this vacation that kind of, not kind of, drastically changed the course of where we are in ministry and life and all of that, but that's a different side of it. But in that long, monotonous car drive, when the kids were both asleep, we started talking about what our ideal of the church would look like and what we would create. And so we started going a little bit crazy of, okay, it would be the church according to Rob, hi, me, the Bible according to Rob, so you'd go to the bar, or you'd go to, you'd take the car to go to the bar, and then we just started naming each of the ministries of this idealistic church after drinks. <laughs> Like, the men's ministry was scotch, and I forgot what our acronym for scotch was. And the women's ministry was wine, and the kids' ministry was, like... Tequila. Tequila. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was... It was a long car ride. We got very creative (laughs) with...
0: I I can say this. Um, Me and my sister one time, we were younger. We were going... uh, It was our first, like, really long drive. Um, It was me and my sister in the car, and we were driving to Florida to go to Disney World... And it was our parents in the front car, me and Katie in the back. And we sang 99 bottles of beer on the wall because we were just that. I mean, what, what do you do in those long rides, right? So you just start doing stuff. And so we, we got through all 99 bottles. I don't know if either of you have ever done that. There is a reason why it's 99 bottles of beer on the wall because the time you are, by the time you're done, you guys are singing this stupid song like you are mad drunk. Like, by the time you get to 10, it is hilarious. And so, um, like, in a long trip with your kids, just start singing 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall, and, I mean, force it to go all the way to 1 and see what happens.
1: We're, We're talking another Disney trip in another year or two as a family, so, you know, maybe... And I... I don't fly well, so we normally drive down to Disney. So, you know, maybe we do that, and <laughs> I'll keep that as a little feather in the back of my hat. But the origin of the cat, the cow, and the, the car are from that road trip, and just I, I get goofy like that with church ministry names. Oh. So, But our premise is, is what would the church be according to our, our perspective, what we value out of the church and you know where we would like to see the church be yeah Lindsay I feel like you've got kind of the biggest of the three of us
0: I would just I want to I want to hear like I really do I want to stop and I want to listen for a few minutes just to what Lindsay has to say because I think it's going to be profound so
1: <laughs> okay and, And if I may offer even my perspective, Lindsay, I mean, you are someone who was in the church, out of the church, looking at the church. So you are a perspective that is tremendously valuable. Like, this is diamond in the rough. This isn't just, I want the church in my my view. It's, I want to critically look at what the church is, what it has done, what it can be, what it will be.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, no pressure. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in my imagination, in my scenario, I've started imagining this is happening to me. And this is my, the first thing I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Les Stroud, but he talks about the zones of assessment in a survival situation where the first thing you take care of is yourself. So in this situation, I think the most important thing for the church to do is to take care of your own house and make sure that you um, that you have food, you have water, that everyone's safe and accounted for. But then once that's taken care of, you move on to the next zone of assessment, which is the people around you, um, your neighbors, uh, as far away or as close as they are, you go to your neighbor's house and see if they're okay. Do they need help? Maybe you have things they don't have, so you work on building something with that neighbor, um, literally and figuratively. You work the whole area around you, and once you have relationships with them, you tell them to go beyond their properties and do the same. You're building a community, a network. Um, ideally, all within walking, all within walking distance. Like not knowing exactly what the car situation is. So either getting there by goat or on foot or whatever, <laughs> walking to the people's houses around you, because that's where it's all going to be at. Um, so where does the church come from? It's the people living in your house. It's people living next to you, near you, within walking distance. People you have personally reached out to, to make sure they're okay. These people are in and out of each other's houses or apartments all week long. Helping each other garden or find food, build better fences and repair houses, maybe work on keeping vehicles going if cars function. Watching each other's kids, everyone working together on a daily basis. They protect each other. They look out for each other. Um, in urban Who, who's areas,
0: whose idea did you say this was? You said somebody Stroud or somebody.
2: No, just the zones of assessment. Just like take okay. care of yourself, and then go to the um. Then the next circle because is around you
0: what you are speaking right now hmm. is acts hmm. like a hundred percent. Yeah. Take, take care of like the, the church is about community.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you have, I mean, everything you spoke, you just spoke about community. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that we are hurting in our culture right now is that we are not concerned with our community. We are concerned with a building. Yeah. And so the the second we walk out of our home and we go to our neighbors and say, "What what do you need right now? Like, mm-hmm. how can I be praying for you?" Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they're not Christians, like most people mm-hmm. are not going to say, "I don't I don't do that prayer thing." I don't yeah. Most people are gonna say, Well, um, maybe I don't believe in your God, but like here's something that if your God is real then you can't But that's the thing.
2: You're on their porch saying, Hey, do you need help? Do you need help? Yes, I need help. Timmy fell in the well. Okay, let's go get Timmy out of the well, (laughs) you know? Um, like you're you're not knocking on their door saying, Hey, do you believe in Jesus Christ? No, you're, you're, you're presenting with, Hey, guess what? I've got extra vegetables from the garden. You're, you're connecting with meeting people's physical needs and being practical and being a friend.
0: I think you hit something on the head though, because, uh, I don't, I don't know about y'all's culture, but I will talk about Baptist culture, Baptist culture in the nineties was you go door to door, you knock on people's door, you tell them about Jesus, and you go through the faith analogy, and you ultimately share with them the love of Christ, but in the end of that, like, there's hell. (laughs) And so, do you not want hell? Then this is how to get out of hell. And I don't think, maybe I'm wrong as a pastor, but I don't think that that was ever God's gospel presentation. His gospel presentation was all about love and the blood of Jesus and relationship. That's why when he died on the cross and he said, it is finished, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Like it was not even something that man could do. And when you look into that idea and principle of that curtain, I mean, we're talking, what was it like 55 feet high or something like that? And like thousands of people. And like thousands of pounds of fabric, no man could have ripped that. And God said, you know what? This relationship that I've had with specific people, I'm tearing that open and it is open for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that happens, when that happened, God showed his love and not condemnation. And I think we as a Christian society have gone around too long and said, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're going to hell. When Jesus, and I've heard this analogy so much over the past like weekend, that Jesus, when he passed through Samaria, and he stopped at the woman at the well, right in the beginning, did he say, you're wrong for what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. He met her where she was. Um, it said um, somebody spoke this to me last night and and said that it was by um, in scripture it says she Jesus had to go through Samaria. So we hear that had to and and like most versions of scripture says had to go through Samaria or something very similar to that. the Greek does not say had to it says he had an appointment to go wow. through Samaria that's he had cool. an appointment so what if we have an appointment to knock on our neighbor's door yeah just to say I'm here for you mm-hmm. I'm here for you and you need it what do you need that's community and I think that's what you're you're talking about
2: right extravagant community extravagant yeah. love and sacrifice for each other. All right. um Okay.
1: I, real quick, hmm? uh, quick aside. I may have the timeline off, but if I remember correctly, Jesus going to Samaria is him going from the Judaic peoples to... Um, no, Yeah, he's going to Samaria. Sorry, I, I did mess well, that up. No,
0: no, no. He was but he's passing, going out to the Gentile people. He was passing through Samaria to go, and I don't remember offhand right now where he was going, but normally the Jews went around Samaria, and he right, said... And I
1: think this is when he's going to the Gentiles, out towards Decapolis okay. and a few other places, because it's... that happens... if I have my timeline correct, that happens between the feeding of the, the thousands... There's the first feeding that happens in um, in Israel. There's the second feeding that happens around the Decapolis, and you know they, they're to two different people groups. They're to the Jewish and then they're to the Gentile people. Okay, I, I think.
0: <laughs> but in, in all Random. seriousness, that like that even is <laughs> has nothing to do with the 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 story really at all. The whole point is that I, he was going from A argue- to B.
1: I would argue that with you because it's showing where the gospel was going. The gospel is first for the Judaic people, and then it's going out to everyone else. It's it's the zones of assessment, if you will. God's people, and now it's going to the neighboring people. It's Yeah. Uh, and that journey goes through Samaria. That journey goes out to the Gentiles. I mean that and that's what Paul emphasizes further going into Acts and kind of winding back into Lindsay's stuff a little bit further, but one of the first big Acts of the church was service. Acts 6, you know, they're arguing over the widows and orphans aren't being fed. We need to do this. And this is before we start getting into arguments of uh, basic theology like, hey, do we need to have Gentiles circumcised or not? You know, the, that first focus was people. But, and I, I'm saying all of this to only affirm that that is the focus that is you know you need to be there with people the community like tj saying the the assessment of the needs of the people like lindsay said and i'm going to shut up and get out of the way because you two were going in a good direction i'm just geeking out on i think it's well, good I... to geek
2: yeah uh but anyway <laughs> so <laughs> what does doing church look like aside from the day-to-day being in and out of each other's houses and helping each other and being a community. Primarily, it's about a meal. People gather, bringing what they have to share, and church happens around the kitchen table. At some point before, during, or after the meal, communion takes place. It's not funereal. It's not glum. It's not a cracker in a thimble full of wine. If there is enough food to be had... They take a loaf of bread and take off pieces of it, and everyone has cups. And if there's wine, they drink wine, but if not, whatever. And they remember Jesus and his body broken. But the reason it's not funereal, if that's even a word, is because the very act of the. That very act is what transformed all of us separate people into one body. We are all one individual, but coming from the same loaf, so to speak. We are celebrating who Jesus is and what he created a community during the meal and after um is going during the meal and after church is going to happen organically stories will be shared this is where people's talents and giftings will shine people will teach preach whatever this is where it happens so that's basically it i think i think that sums it up
1: can Playing off of what Lindsay said, can I ask a question that is uh, not controversial, but will kind of lead to stepping or dipping our toes in elements of heresy? But what does (laughs) TJ's laughing at me? What does communion truly look like? Does it look like the Eucharist practices we have within church of I grew up Episcopalian, so that was wine every Sunday and uh, bread. Does it look like that, or does it look like kind of that meal that Lindsay was portraying? Does okay, it look like so, something different?
0: It's Like I said, dipping our toe in heresy a little bit. No, I don't think you're dipping your toe into heresy at all. I think it's just discussions that we really need to have. Because once again, I think the church has created something manly and man-made and religious and thank you. There we go. Okay. I was religious. It's a religious act. So we are taking the relationship out of it again and we are doing religion. And I don't think God put stipulations on, you have to have this, you have to have this. Um, I would say, Lindsay, I would, I would disagree with the part that you said that it's about like a, a meal. Um, I, I agree that we could probably have church around the table and around a meal. Um, I don't think when we, however you want to call it, the Lord's Supper or when we're remembering the blood of Jesus, um, I think that needs to be separate from our meal. And I'm not saying it has to be that little cracker and that little thimbleful of wine. I think it could be a piece of steak and a coke. Like, as long as we're doing <laughs> we're doing it in the act of remembering God's broken body, God's blood. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know. So I
1: I have used this as an example, but I, I know a youth director who has taught communion as, uh, not as, but with a Big Mac and a Coke. And emphasizing that the acts of communion are the community coming together under one name. And that what we do in in worship on Sundays, what we do with grape juice, wine, and bread, is symbolic of that coming together. And I, I would actually push back on you, TJ, of... Uh, Yes, but no. I'm going to want to have my cake and eat it too on this because (coughs) I think it may be better expressed of, yes, having a meal together, but the meal that Jesus shared there with his disciples was Passover, was symbolic in what they were doing, eating, and practicing. But he took this moment to kind of take it in a different route, to take basic elements that everyone would have every day. So that's what I mean. So that when you sit down and you have these elements, consciously, unconsciously, there is a, a remembering of this is the bread that is the body of Christ. This is the blood that is shed for
0: us. So you actually um, think it ha- like it physically has to be bread and wine or grape juice or whatever...
1: No, I, I use that because that's the examples I'm familiar and comfortable with because, again, tradition, not theological necessity. Um, I would say communion does not actually even require bread and wine. It requires the state of the
0: heart. And so you you kind of reiterated what my mind was thinking without my mind thinking, like saying it, I guess, but I don't like, I, he did, it was the last supper, right? So like they sat around a table, they had a meal, but then they took time out of that to do a separate thing. And that's what I'm
2: saying too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying too. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we are all, we have spent 15 minutes saying the same thing different ways.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So like during, thanks for listening. Yeah. During, (laughs) during the meal, everybody hushes, you know, and Hey, we're, you know, and does, there's words and there's sharing of this thing bread probably bread but whatever um sort of an illustration of us all being one and also separate and remembering jesus
1: so i i'm gonna share something from uh the ministry where i'm at now uh when i started with the church and the youth group here there was one something that I inherited that the youth group had been practicing for years before me, and that was at the end of youth group, we have a meal together. Uh, and and there's a whole thing that goes in went into that. We haven't done it for over a year because of COVID. But in the time in the six years that I have been here and we have sat down as a youth group at the end of youth group and had that meal, that has been the best moments of ministry I have ever had because it doesn't matter what I teach. I, I, I take a half hour of our time. We do a lesson and it hasn't mattered what I teach. What has mattered is the conversations that happen at that meal. Those have been more impactful, more beneficial and more powerful in my students' lives than anything I've said in my teachings, because we'll sit down, we talk about it. Um, We've shared our interactions, our thoughts, our wrestlings, and all in that community, all in that growth, which is why I will emphasize and die on that hill of communion has to be, should be, more than just bread and wine.
2: Yeah, it's just a part of it.
1: An important part. You know, the symbolism and the value of it, I don't don't misunderstand. I'm not saying let's get rid of it, but it's an important part of the symbol of our belief. We have to put action to it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like um, trying to get you... It's a symbolic act that I think is supposed to get you back on track if you're not on track. We want. We have our own lives. We've got our own stuff. And <laughs> communion, I think, pulls us together. What?
0: <laughs> oh, you... I, so I rarely... I... Uh, I don't like saying this to people, Uh-oh. and I've I, I swore I was I was really gonna try never to this say what I'm about to show, say. TJ, Lindsay, <laughs> I believe you're wrong. Really? Um, I do not think that the Lord's Supper is supposed to be utilized to get people back on. No, track. Oh, just to
2: remember. I mean, remembering. I mean, in your memory.
0: You said back yeah, on track in your
2: memory, like. Like we're all doing our own thing and we're all sort of wandering off and going on different tracks and and we have different things we're doing, different
0: So you're talking you're talking about somebody's yeah, focus, focus, not their spiritual well being yeah. and walk right, with focus. Christ. Because okay. Everybody Because in. when we talk about getting people back on track, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, somebody's gone away no, from no. the Lord and they're gonna use the Lord's Supper to get no, them no, back no. on track. And no, no. uh uh Absolutely.
2: No. It's just like a check. It's like playing basketball and like making sure your feet are right before you shoot the hoop, you know?
1: <laughs> so so saying it would be fair to say that this is a central act of worship to everyone gather around from every walk of Christianity to say, are we all following Christ? Like the baseline. Not. You know, oh no, you're out of Christianity, but this is the central point we all come together of Christ's sacrifice and the symbolism of communion. Is that maybe a fair way to phrase that, or have I gone off?
0: I mean, and, and yeah, and just remembering the sacrifice that he did for us. If you aren't a Christian, that sacrifice doesn't matter to you. Um. I lost my train of thought so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> All right, Lindsay, you It was it was obviously going to be really good.
1: <laughs> you look like you're pondering, Lindsay. What's up? Well,
2: I I think you're right in a sense, Rob. But I don't think it's something that anybody should be excluded from. I think they should be brought in. Um, because it's if it's if it's part of a meal, like I'm envisioning, like like I think the New Testament sort of shows that it's a part of this bigger thing. Um so yeah, I don't think I I, I it is important for you when you take communion and for believers when they take communion, but I don't think it's wrong or bad for people to participate um as sort of uh greasing the wheels kind of f- so for their own <laughs> conversion and being sort of lured lured into this life I
1: don't know can, can we address the fact that you said lured into can we just start there and and go um are, are we driving around in a white van with Free candy on well, the side. Well, honestly,
2: that's sometimes how it feels. Like, I like the Jesus part, <laughs> but then you're like, guess what? You're going to burn if you don't believe in it. So it is kind of, to me, it is sort well, we, of like, we have really good news and really, 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 really bad news. So, uh, which well, is why I'm... TJ st-
1: did address. <laughs> he, he addressed at the beginning the turn or burn style of evangelism of the 90s, which uh, I'm with TJ. That does not work. We... But it's yes, it's, it's not know, even the style Jesus though. Jesus is there, it's but it's the
2: theology, it's the whole idea that's it's yeah. you can't get away from it. I mean, that's why I think this part, this community part has and I guess if there is if there if you have a connection with God, that connection in that community has to be so awesome to sort of eclipse the fact that the alternative is hell. <laughs> the alternative is eternal damnation, like...
1: I think there are better sales pitches for Christianity than turn or burn. That's my summary.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. And
1: better sales pitches than free candy. Yeah. But, uh, TJ, you look like you were pondering and thinking and ready to jump in with...
0: I'm. I'm... I'm looking because, like... I can't uh. remember the exact wording that you said, Lindsay. Um, my my brain's a little, like, off. But um, I think the, the scripture does give explicit instructions of when you are not able to take communion. And when you are out of fellowship with the Lord. I don't
2: think so. I don't think so because in Corinthians, it's it's you, you uh, Paul's like, "Hey, by the way, drunk people shouldn't be participating in communion. People that are actually drunk shouldn't be participating in communion." Yeah, how do we know those people were even saved? We don't know.
0: That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes, and so that's what I'm saying. He, he but they gives were still allowed to
2: participate. They were um, they were allowed to participate.
1: Which all right, means all right, all right. which I'm gonna referee this here for a second. Hang on. Cause I think I think where we've gone with this is we've created two aspects of communion, one that is the ritualistic and one that is the communion, the people coming together in a shared community. And I think there is that it's correct in the this the sacred aspect that is the remembrance specifically, there's a degree of being an outsider, while as while the community coming together there has to be a, an openness to it.
0: Yes. Okay, I did finally find the scripture. Can I just say that and I'll I, I'll drop it. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians 11:27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and mean? blood of the Lord.
2: What does unworthy mean? Does that mean like? What does unworthy
0: mean to you? Because
2: before that, isn't it talking about people not having enough and people having people being gluttonous when they're there and not considering other people? Or is it talking about being saved or unsaved? Because I think it's talking about uh, if you're you need you're if you're not considering the body by hoarding eating all this food while while your brother has nothing, isn't getting enough that's unworthy that's e- that's eating unworthily because you're not considering the body of christ because your brother that's not getting enough he's he he's what makes us one body
0: so i hear you i'll go on 28 let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body? the body eats and drinks judgment on himself <laughs> Okay, Paul goes on to define the body in the next chapter in 1 Corinthians 12. So and I agree, but even going on to 30 right after that, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some I stand by die. my I
2: stand on my position. I think it's the same thing. I
0: So they so they took the Lord's supper in an unworthy manner and they died <laughs> like So I'm not, I'm not here to judge and say what, what is unworthy. Um, I think that is a a whole nother topic for another podcast. If you guys ever wanted to do that, Um, because that is a huge question. Um, I'm just stating I, from my perspective, um, it seems to me that there are instructions given to what, what we call the ritual act of communion and why God takes it so seriously. Um, I don't know what unworthy, I'm not debating what unworthy is there, um, but obviously he takes unworthiness serious enough that if we don't discern it in our own life prior to taking it, that's why some people are ill, sick, Cause and Because a breaking
2: covenant, yo. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, back to covenant and co- and, um, and community.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I thought we got away from covenant.
1: <laughs> well, we can't get away from covenant. In this conversation. That's, that's the whole thing. Lindsay and I duked that out a while ago. Covenant is still a very important part of what we do and our understanding of worship. But the covenant of old is different from the covenant we live under now. See, again, you guys yes. have that silence that wigs me out of, okay, did I did I jump full into the heresy?
0: No, I'm just I'm just agreeing with you. It wasn't anything to fight about. Well, TJ, it was just This is a fighting show. A so come on, put him up. <laughs> uh, I'm <laughs> I'm full of love. I'm not gonna fight. <laughs> Only when I have to tell Lindsay she's wrong.
1: <laughs> okay, so that that was a that was a lot to unpack, kind of with what would be valued in in a church in a reset. Um, so, and I guess where I'm at in in this piece of it is is. The value that we would have in communion in a resetted church would be the community coming together in an act of worship that accumulates in a point that is a remembrance of the sacrifice of Christ.
0: Oh, I think it's way more than that because you're still pinpointing a time that you come together. So you are trying to create what we have now in a world that doesn't have Ah. it.
1: I think we've just gotten to a gathering of peoples. Is that fair?
0: I would beg to differ that it's a part of it, but if I understood what Lindsay was saying, which I massively agreed with, that the church is not a place and time and a gathering, that it is way more than that. It is a community where neighbors come together, they help each other, they fix each other's things, they pay to if... If somebody needs medical bills paid, they help pay those medical bills. Like, um, they are they are coming in, in, together as a community and as a church.
2: If somebody doesn't show up to church for a year, they call them. How about that? Sorry, I'm a little right, sore so on I'm,
1: that. Just, I'm using broad language. I'm just saying <laughs> a gathering of people. I didn't say times or specific acts of worship. I just said in a remembrance of Christ as the accumulation point. So we've
0: gathered people, but why do we? Uh, so this is going to sound terrible. Why do we have to remember <laughs> <Christ>? <laughs> Why do we have to remember Christ all the time? And like, the, he, I know everybody that's going to hear that is like, "Oh my gosh, why I is the Accumulating a pastor saying in, a, in a remembrance of Christ?" Um, but like,
1: I don't know if that's true. Not constant,
0: huh? Okay, what do you mean by that?
1: I mean that the what the do you pinnacle mean by that? of. Of the gathering of people is because we are under the banner of Christ. That's the pyramid, if
0: you will. In, in But they're still gathering. What if What if I just go over to my neighbor's house and ask them, what do you need today? But are you going over to your neighbor's house? I mean, that's not house really
1: gathering. Coming together. Are you going over to your neighbor's house because you value their re- the relationship and the friendship you have with them? Or are you going over to their house to give them the Turner Burns speech? No, I don't get it. Well, and I think the greater value of the Christian church is the gathering of people to come together because you value the individual. yeah, And not saying, I'm going to go over there because I value the individual and I'll turn or burn. But you
0: still are talking about church. I think it's about Christ. Like, and I know that's what you mean, and I know it's all semantics when it comes to to the way we're saying it differently, but I don't think like, I don't think your listeners need to be confused about is God outside of the church? Because we in our little society, I think have forced God only into church. Church is only the only place you can go to be changed and church. And, and by the way, you have to change yourself before you go to church. That's crap. um, and that's, that's what we have created, though. Maybe
1: this is fair, because this, this kind of helps explain my thinking. Uh, I have a vision of—not a vision—I perceive two separate churches. I perceive the worldly church that is the one that we take part of and have our ritual worships with. And then I perceive a heavenly church, one that is not defined by the boundaries of walls, but defined by the love and grace of Christ— in the world. And so my perception of this is that second church. That's the desire I would go towards the the definition of the love and grace of Christ within the world. Not not a physical gathering in a building that is simple worship, but something that is the community coming together. The the the, the binding of people to people in love and grace Towards one another for the expansion not of not the expansion of the kingdom in a militaristic sense, but the expansion of grace.
2: I don't really get how you can talk about the one and then talk about the other in the same breath. Like I mean if
1: Because I I don't think there's I I put a division between the two because I see one as our best attempts to be the church that is christ in the world
0: well and christ does say be the church so like in all aspects we have created the the place but even even in jesus's time there was a place to go to there was the temple that they went and they worshiped at and so we can't discount the gathering of believers And I think there is a huge part and place in that, but we also need to remember that when we say the word church, we need to get to a place as Christians where we believe when we say the church, it's not just about a building, it's about an aspect of so much more.
1: Give some pushback, not pushback, that's not the right way to phrase it, but even then, in New Testament, in the early gatherings, there was the, the aspects of gathering at the temple for worship. But there was a second element that was going on all the time, in and that homes. was the gathering yep. of people in homes, Around the communities minutes. that built up, and and it's yeah right, and and that's why I'm saying, and I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I kind of have that division in my head because it's that gathering of people coming together in homes, that gathering of community, and yeah, the temple, the church building was a part of it, but. The reflections came in the gatherings of people throughout the week, not in a defined moment of worship, but throughout the week, the church was.
2: I don't like the division.
1: What if there wasn't a division? I, I mean, think about, I, think I'm about that. I'm going with there is think, a division I mean, because we're, we're broken and flawed. OK, that's the perspective I have. There is a division. The goal is to be the church that is in the world. We fail sometimes because we create the church that is in the building.
2: I don't get that. No, because look at, look at... I would
1: agree with that. In the
2: Old Testament, um, it talks talks about this broken woman who sort of represents Israel and slash the church. God sees her. She is broken. She's this broken person, like Ezekiel 16, Book of Hosea, you know, um, no, Hosea, Isaiah um, 54 or something. He sees... This he talks to this woman to this person that sort of embodies Israel slash the church. Um, you're this awful person. You you're slumming and you're a you're a you're a whore. But he still calls her um, his bride and and has things for her. So it's not like he has these two people. This ideal Israel in this whore. It's not like that. It's There's one person and he's drawing, he's calling her, he's he's seeing something in her that isn't as though it was, which is what in the New Testament, that's what Paul says. He calls us saints, even though he's writing to the Corinthians who had some major problems. He still calls them right. saints.
1: Right, And and the perspective I'm looking at is from that, okay, I am... I am the whore of Israel and I'm looking at where I'm trying to go and I'm saying, okay, I I'm broken, I'm part of this break, I want to be where Christ has me. And that's why I have that division in my head. But it's, you, it's but, me first recognizing the brokenness because only in that brokenness then do I see grace and only in that grace do we move here. That's but that's I don't, how my head works.
2: That's fine, except there's no like like other church. There's only one church, Mm -hmm. you know, and you are the church. You are the church at your church. You're the church. That's you and your community. And as far as you're concerned, I think that's all you care about is you being the church and sort of being what Christ wants you to be in every way possible. And if, and if, I guess that's the end of my thought, (laughs) (laughs)
1: I don't know. So I guess the summary of this section is Rob's just wrong.
0: <laughs> I I would not say that you're wrong. Um, I would say that you come from a place that we've created. And I don't think God would ever uh, – God ever wanted that. I don't
1: that. think so either. And that's why I, I have that division in my head where it's – this is the broken aspect – And we're trying to move past this broken aspect into kingdom aspects, into and and I use that broadly. I'm I'm not saying that all churches, I'm just saying that with individual churches, with some of the church structure and bureaucracy and worship stylings, da 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 that we've created have these broken elements in them because we are in them. We are broken.
2: But then how do you And I think
1: when we Yes. But God is also in them. And maybe this is the, the way to explain this. I don't know. But it's, I look at it from that broken perspective first, because again, that's where we need to have the love of Christ, the grace of Christ outflowing. It's out of those cracks, not paving over those cracks. It's, here's the brokenness, and here's the only way that I can be me, is because in this brokenness... Christ is what comes out. Christ is what heals. Christ is what fixes the break so that we can move in this arc towards what is the standard that Christ has set for us. Silence again.
0: I'm processing. I don't think I don't think you're wrong. I mean we have to be moving towards Christ. And when you say a statement like that, it's like, done. Like, That's
1: it, Jesus. We're all done. Thank you for <laughs> listening. Have okay. a great week.
2: Is this related? Like, we are broken. <laughs> we are messed up. We have issue upon issue. I
1: haven't said it for a while. Romans 3.23.
2: But, um, I think part of what we're supposed to, or what, what the Bible seems to sort of imply, is you are not, but walk as though you were you know um he we are he, god has already given us everything pertaining to life and godliness even though we don't feel that if how how can we as broken people walk in that you know other thing isn't that what faith is and how do we do that not just individually but as a church
0: <laughs> i mean we have gotten so far for the, mer- for the for the mer- part, for the most part from what the early church really was um, i th- i think god wants us to get back to that i do think some churches do it better than others mega church or not because some mega churches do small groups really well you want to see a church that does small groups like I mean, spot on, look up Spotswood, I don't know if it's Spotswood Church or Spotswood Baptist, it's one or the other, In, um, I want to say it's Northern Virginia, um, they live by the motto, we are not a church with life groups, we are a church of life groups. Didn't you
1: say and that was your they church they don't motto? back down
0: from that. They want, (laughs) and uh, it is now, Um, so they want people to be propelled, and I I would say pushed, into a group, because they know where a group is. is, that is where community is. Where community is, that's where growth is. Where growth is, that's where the gospel's at. And where the gospel is, that's where people are hearing about it because everything that the people in acts did was for the gospel they didn't just go out and help people to help people i'm the church so let me go help people to help people i'm the church so let me go heal somebody i'm the church so let me go pay for this kid's broken leg i'm the church so let me go fix that car that's so that we need to be thinking i'm the i'm i'm the church let me go do that so it, it shows them Christ without pushing Christ into their face. Let me show them the love of God because I am the hands and feet of God. I am God's extension here on earth to show people who he is. And that is a big part of why their community was there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I... So the
1: end value. Oh, go ahead, Lindsay. No, you. You, you. So the end value, it seems like what we are all saying, is not the masterful ability to understand and articulate theology, the masterful ability to create worship sets, or the masterful ability to give the best sermon. It's about the action of love from the people, from the congregants, from the community of believers built up together.
0: Uh, okay, so you say you say that, and I am exact. in one hundred percent agreeance. Oh no, no, I'm I'm in agreeing with you, and I'm going to scripturally back it up because if we don't have love, everything we do is pointless. Every single thing we do is pointless. First Corinthians thirteen says, "If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, because that's what we're talking about, right? If I give away all I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but I, but have not love, I gain nothing. If we do all these things just to do them, because we feel like we're Christians and we have to, it's something that can be just tossed in the flames and be burned. Because God is love, we do all those things with that to show that.
1: What you got, Lindsay?
2: Well, I gotta be honest. I have considered the fact that, that love in community and having relationships with people that are beyond the norm, that are deep and lasting, having having that community that loves each other, I think it's possible. I think it's very possible that 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 is my that is what I really want, and maybe has, and I don't know what that has to do with Christ for my for me. Um. I have met people that they if Jesus is like those people i then I like Jesus um but like when we get down to that part of is everything sort of reflecting Jesus, it's like I'm not really sure exactly what that means apart from the human expression of
0: it um so. Let me, let me ask you a question and, and I'm, I can answer this question for myself too. So this is not pointed directly at you, Lindsay, but all of this is stemming from somewhere and do not expound on it. Just yes or no. Have you ever been hurt by the church? Yes. When you were hurt, do you look at people and say, man, that was God's love. <laughs> When, when you got hurt, yeah. did you feel God's love in that minute from church? No. No. Because that wasn't what God intended. God never intended for you to be hurt by the church. But people in the church are so stupid and broken that they just do stuff from themselves. Whoever or whatever hurt you was not of God. I'm gonna proclaim that over your life right now. It was not of God, and I'm learning. I've got to surround myself with people that are just pouring God into me. I've had so much negativity in my life that, like, I'm to the point where I'm like, God, I, I gotta get, I gotta get it out. I need more of You, and people are showing me what true love is. And I'm gonna tell you, Lindsay. It's incredible.
1: And I think that's probably the fairest point to kind of start winding this conversation down with. That the problems that we have with the church are not because of the love of Christ. They're because too often the ritual, the ability to judge one person based on their sins, to justify, to make myself feel better, to whatever it may be puts us in a state that creates mm. more division than it creates community, than it creates a community of people who love and and don't get me wrong, we, we do need to be able to say, look, these things are sins because they give the boundaries of the game we're playing but at the center of this and I use game because I, I use that with my teens all the time but but the center of this is Christ love that accumulates in a sacrifice on a cross to free us from those those breaks.
0: And you want a good way to end a podcast, wrap it back around to the first story that we talked about with the woman at the well. (laughs) Because he did not go in condemning that lady. He went in with an appointment to show love to her. That was it. Now, he was able because he's God to be like, yeah, the man you're living with right now, he's not your husband. Like, go get that checked. Like, but <laughs> but he's a, he had a way of doing it, not in a judgmental attitude because he was God. Like,
1: there's a seminary student at our church. She's also a professor at the college, and she just did a sermon about a month or two ago and used the example of the woman at the well. And it's You have this woman who, in those times, to not have a husband was to pretty much be a prostitute or dead, and that's if you didn't have kids. So you have this woman who's trying to go Mm. through life to make it work, and it's just failure after failure after failure. It's all of that negative, and the first thing that she encounters with Jesus is love. Unconditional, unrestrained, Mm love that doesn't say you have to do these things to make it. you are loved.
0: Amen so.
1: <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that uh, that was a very interesting weaving conversation through not elements of worship but what the church should be at its core. Yeah. Lindsay, you got any other thoughts? You you seem pensive over there.
2: No. My kids are coming upstairs now, so I'm not really sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So I think down the road we'll have to come back, have some more discussions with these things. But Lindsay, you and I are going to go in a, a different direction for the next podcast or ten maybe 10 uh, I, episodes I, like, <laughs> I i would like it to be known here and now i did not pick this i did I picked. lindsay picked our <laughs> next topic uh and, and you texted it to me and i said you you you've gone into the danger zone now because there's a lot we can say about this too uh but this episode is coming out on May 3rd, so for all of our listeners, thank you for listening, uh, and may the 4th be with you. <laughs> That's not a hint at all. <clears throat> Cough. <laughs> TJ, thank you for jumping on with us. Thank you for being a part of these conversations.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, I, you have been a tremendous addition in these conversations. You really have, and... If you're open to it, as we jump back into some of these things down the line, I'd love to get you back on a couple more times, Uh, you know, schedule depending, and we can figure all of that out later as we're bouncing around. So you, you have been an incredible first guest for us, and I've really appreciated having you in on the conversations as well. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for participating. Thank you for emailing, interacting, hitting that like button on social media, giving rates and reviews on uh, your listening platform of choice. Please keep sharing this. Please keep connecting with us because you are a big part of why we're doing this and we want to explore this life together with you and continue to build community. So thank you guys. All right, Lindsay, TJ, thank you. Have a good one. Hey, you too. Thank you for listening to the 42 podcast. Please take a moment to like and subscribe. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter to add your voice to the conversation. Thank you.